walked through it, looked a wee bit at it, and we all looked at where you know, the old serpent deceived Eve, and we just want to look at some of the effects of that tonight. And the ultimate question tonight is going to be, do each of us save it up, save tonight, is where are you when God calls Adam? Where are you? It's an interesting question, and one that we need to ask ourselves on a regular basis, of where are we when it comes to our walk with God? Where are we when it comes to our, to our, our lifestyle and our sin before God? So, Genesis chapter 3, please. The effects of original sin in our lives. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had, the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit, fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said you must not eat it, eat it or even touch it. For if you do, you will surely die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. For God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat up. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the, the wisdom that would give her. And so she took some of the fruit that she ate. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it, too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from God among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man, and he asked, Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid, I was afraid, and I was named. Praise God for the reading of his word. Has everybody got a welcome tonight? Put your hand up if you haven't got a welcome tonight. Would you turn around and welcome somebody and that will solve all the problems? Just turn around and say hello, look at chat and read So it's here we read about the call of God. It's here that through Adam and Eve, mainly Eve, now we say, that sin enters into the world. And what we do know is that its effects get worse from generation to generation. It evolves. And the ripple from the fall can still be felt on each of our lives this very day. That same sin that came into the world is in each of us, and we know too, too well its effects. We know that every bad action that the world has seen stems from there. Every evil thought that enters your mind, every lie that has ever crossed your lips, every deed that you have done in secret, all finds its burning from this little text this morning. Isn't that something? And if you read on the next wee bit, you see the, the wee bit of tension when, when Eve blames Adam and Adam blames her and all the way around, they start blaming each other. Here we see the everyday dysfunctional family that we all belong to. 
When nobody admits wrong, when everybody blames everybody else, and, and that's just we see these weak traits that's in each and every one of us. But we understand that the gospel is that we have all sinned against God. We have all fallen short of his glory. And he came when he died for our sin that we could be forgiven and set free and made right with God. That we would no longer have to hide from him. And if you're, if you're not saved here tonight, you don't know God, you, you would understand what that means to hide from God. If you're saved here tonight, you too should understand what it is to hide from God. The only, can, the only way you can sleep under the gospel is when you're saved. In my experience, anyway, you couldn't sleep when the gospel's been preached. But once you get saved and get that wee bit of comfort, you can snore away the best. But nonetheless, when you're not saved, you know what it is to hide from God. And all of God is in it. And every wrong that's in this world that we see, and a lot of the stuff that we blame God for, stems from Genesis chapter 3. But who is this serpent that deceived Eve away back? And the scripture makes it clear to anyone who would care to know it. Look, it's Satan himself. We know that Satan is a, a fallen angel. It's an interesting read if you read Revelation and Ezekiel. There's many other texts you can read. And you get full insight into this whole incident that had taken place in heaven. But let me just read Revelation 12 and the verse 9 for you tonight, just to get a, an understanding about this great being that once stood in the presence of God, once led the worship in, in, in heaven itself. A mighty name, many mighty angel, his name was Lucifer, now fallen through pride and through sin. And Revelation 12, we read, and the, and the great dragon was hurled down. Listen, that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, for he was hurled to earth, him and his angels. I want you to notice some, some simple things in this verse as we tax pixel. I want you first to notice the title, Ancient Serpent, and it's referring here to our text in Genesis. This is the serpent from old. This is the one who deceived Eve. He's the one who was who started war in heaven. He's the one who was cast out of heaven. He's the one who knows that his time is limited. And he's the one who's he's dedicated his whole life to ruin and seeking after the souls of men and women. He seeks to destroy. He seeks to kill. There's nothing good about him. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And this is what scripture paints this picture of this being. And he roams his earth. And he seeks to hinder every man and woman of God. He comes to get, I, I often recall some great preachers, men and women, suffered greatly with their minds. Is that coincidence? I wonder. Great loss come to many faithful uh, men and women of God who was faithful over the years. Some of the greatest hymns that we sing was come out of the backlash of suffering and great pain. He seeks to steal and destroy each of our, each of our lives, our children's lives. But Christ came to overcome that church, and that's what we even spoke, hinted at this morning, where, where this generational blessing that comes from knowing God. There's a generational curse, if you like, that comes from, from rejecting God. There's nothing but heartache. But for a man and woman who gives his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, is transformed and made new. And we see this ancient serpent. We know that his name is, is Satan and the devil. We're told another thing about him, that he's not alone. He's angels with him, his fallen angels. We're told that a third of heaven was cast out with him. I want you to notice his ministry. The ministry that you carry, 
if you're a Christian tonight, is reconciliation. You understand that? That every man and woman of God has got a ministry, and that's to reconcile men and women unto God. I want you to notice this uh, great deceiver's ministry. It's to deceive the whole world. That's what he spends his time on. That's what he does. That's what he's good at. And there's no greater end to deceive than lie and cheat. And that's what he does. He deceives. That's his ministry. He wants to be aware of this about him. And this brings us back to our text tonight. In our first verse. And it says, the serpent, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. There's different translations. There's crafting. There's cunning. There's clever. Clever. There's shrewd. And there's astute. But this word cunning is more popular. And it speaks of one who is ingenious. He's clever. And he's very calculating in everything that he does. Do you understand that? He, there's nothing that he does that he hasn't weighed up. Everything's calculated. He sets things here and there for us to, to, to walk in. Maybe like a snare. He traps people. He traps the people of God. And we need to be aware of these things now. And if you're not saved tonight, you need to be aware that he, that he seeks to, to deceive you. That your soul ultimately will be lost and your life destroyed. This beast is referred to in many names. Just to give you a few, the prince of all darkness, the father of all lies. And he's out to destroy everything that God has made and loves. Everything, including you, your children, your grandchildren. Everything. He's no love. We are in the midst of a great problem in our nation. For some reason, young men and young women find it easier to end their life than to live in this world. Isn't that something? That's the work of the enemy. And I did a vision in my spirit one night, and I remember here there was a young man that we that we brought up through Armagh, and we were there and came through the, the, the youth group. And the young man, he, he committed suicide, and it hit me terribly hard. And there's just something getting into my spirit, and I wondered was, at that last moment, was there a point of no return and there was, there was a point in that person's life that they regretted what they were doing. And I just wonder, did they find themselves listening to the lie that they got to that point of no return and Christianized for our church? And we need to counteract the spur of this age with the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. He's overcome him. And I'm a friend, and he's tested out before here to come again to share and to bring a bit of the word. He found himself hanging over the edge of the Dublin Bridge, wrecked. 22 years of age, only the, the, the guards grabbed the house and it was gone. And he's a, he's a minister today. And it's a real thing in the church. And we've got children ourselves, haven't we? And we've got young people. And it doesn't matter if it affects young and old, but we're dealing with the prince of darkness, the father of all lives. And listen, don't give him any way in your life. Give him no way in your life. One of the scariest things that I've realized recently is that Christians openly admit that they don't read their Bibles, they don't miss it. They openly meant that they don't pray. Well, I would safely say we have no understanding what we're dealing with if we live like that. Remember what we've been set free from. Remember the deception. Remember when we, like we're going to be looking at even Abraham, where we, we first get our eyes open and we look and we see the, the, the evils of the world that we once were part of. And we, we can be so relaxing and so lazy. And I want to encourage us not to condemn us, but let us begin to take things seriously. Let us begin to take our walk with God seriously. Mothers and fathers, pray over our kids. Pray over your kids. Do you believe in the power of prayer? 
So all I know is I wrote a wee prayer about 17 years ago, I've never been the same since. It's the truth. We prayer, God, take this wee life and wreck it. help. We prayer, we wee prayer, and transform my life. How much more we pray the blessed of God over our children? Godly husbands, godly wives. Man and men and women is the devil's prime target. His plan is to deceive the world, and his lies are plainly seen today. I understand it's not for your good, it's to destroy you. One of the great lies that we hear today and we teach our children today in schools is there's no God. We are aware of this, aren't we? That our children are being told there's no God, and we sort of have to sit back. We have to allow this to be taught because we have to allow quality, don't we? So that's what we're telling them. There's no God, there's no creator, there's no hope, you've no purpose. You're just here, you're just a chance of nature. We're also then telling them there's no life after death, there's no, no judgment, and there's no account for how you live your life on this earth. And we can see the results of that in our land today. The place is wrecked. Parents are afraid of their children. The police can't man the troubles that's on in their towns and these villages. Because there's no fear of God. There's no restraint in the land today. And today the world celebrates sin, doesn't it? Things that used to be just unheard of are celebrated and lifted up. And I'm going to mention a few things today, but I want you to understand I'm not being a bigot. I want you to understand I'm not being opinionated in other people's lives. And some people in here will be struggling with some of these things that are celebrated. But the scripture tells me that some of these things that are celebrated is what some of us used to be before we were saved. I still believe there's power in the gospel that changes the sinner. I believe that the man that I was no longer lives because of the gospel. The things that I once believed in, the things that I once stood for, the things that I once took part in, I no longer want to because the gospel changed me. And if you struggle tonight with anything that the world says is all right, there's a cure, and it's a gospel. It's a cure, and it's a wonderful cure. TV programs. It's well known fact that TV reprograms are mine. They're thinking. It's well known. It's proven. They know what they're doing. It teaches us to lust, doesn't it? It teaches us to lie, to steal, to hate, to fight, and to kill. And it's all just called a movie. And some great movies on it. Fair to say? Albert, say, flash before our eyes with all the new mod cons. Before our eyes. You know what that causes? That we're no longer content with what we have. Because my car is now three year old and there's a new model. Isn't that it? We've never, ever, wrong with a new car, by the way, but we never, ever allowed to be satisfied. There's always something new, something new through the force. And we always feel that we're never actually reaching the place we ought to be. And it's called a lack of contentment. We're never satisfied because that's the system of this world. Violence and, and all the things is glorified and normalized. It's stripping society one day at a time of all virtue. Safe to say, isn't it? Everything that we put our eyes to today doesn't build up, it's not wholesome. It strips of all virtue. And I believe it's all the work of Satan who's the master deceiver. And you can think of me whatever you like. When I watch it, what comes on the TV nowadays, I can't believe what I'm saying 
Jerry Allen confessed to this that I would say at least three times or four times in the week I find myself standing up and walking out of the room because of some advert or something that's come on and it's just ungodly in every nature. And it's indoctrination, you understand that. He's a great deceiver. You make it up, you make your own mind up. But I'm telling you, and I firmly believe, our minds are being conditioned and we're being deceived what's normal and what isn't. Firmly believe, 100% believe. But the Bible tells us this, that God has made you and me in his image. We're loved. And Satan has taken this image, this image that, that's designed to glorify God and he's made it an abomination before God. The spirit of this age has caused much confusion in the minds of God's creation, hasn't it? And if you're not saved here tonight, you're God's child, you're loved. You were created for purpose and sin has separated each of us from God. And there's a spirit of this age, the Bible talks much of it, and has confused the minds of, even some of the, the great minds of the world are confused. There's men who now claim to be women, and there's women who now claim to be men, and we take that for face value, and we don't open our mouth, and we accept it. You tell me if we are being conditioned or not. His influence has caused men to be lost after things that they ought not to lust after, to covet. Marriage is safe to say is under attack like never before. And we know something about marriage. It wasn't ordained by man, we understand that, I'm sure. Man didn't create it for society, God did. We know that God ordained marriage between one man and one woman. And in this marriage, we the husband and the wife is to love each other, they're to honour each other, to glorify God. I believe marriage is a place where we grow in holiness, because it's there that we're tested. And since these things we have to learn to, to say sorry, we have to learn to not put ourselves first all the time. And we have to learn to live and respect another party. And I do believe that marriage is God's way of growing us in holiness. It doesn't always work in the first month, but we get there and we learn to, to, to respect it, put other people before ourselves. But God nonetheless ordained marriage. And it's within a marriage, if, 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 a, if a couple have children, that it's, that it's in this marriage covenant that they bring up their children the things of God and teach them the things of God. You see? God had a plan. And then every generation would, would grow up knowing the security of a family, the love of a father and mother, and the word of God. Where does that stand today? It's wrecked, isn't it? Society's smashed. It's not a God. Today, marriage has been redefined. Men can marry men, and girls can marry girls. Remember what I've said, I'm not having a, a dig at anybody. But I want to say this, marriage has been redefined when it wasn't man's redefined. It was just, a, it was just an act of man, but it's not the rights. And they, they took it so far, they're allowed to be, to be married and, 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 and recognised, if you like, but they had to go further. And that's what sin does, it takes us further, and it goes further, and it's never satisfied. And, and what they've done, they've taken marriage, which was God's covenant with man and woman, and they've twisted and redefined it. And I'm speaking about the spirit behind this. You see that? I'm speaking about the spirit behind it, that, that, is, that is corrupt. And, and people have been deceived, and are being deceived. And, and you, know what, you know what the greatest... Sadness is about this, that they're being robbed from living the life that God has granted them. Do you know that? When God says no relationship outside of marriage, it's not like a big daddy or a big stick. 
It goes what's good for you. It goes what's good for you. When do you meet the right person? Somebody you love? Young ones, when do you meet a man or woman? Do you know for sure there's a person that you want to spend your life with? Somebody who's a man or woman of God. Somebody you can trust. And the problem is we don't obey this. And, and our prime suspect myself, by the way, I've made many of these mistakes. And, and it's a trail of destruction. And it, I had to travel that path to realize that when God speaks into our life as instruction and direction, it's for our good and protection. It's for our love. Because he loves us, you understand that? It's how you would direct your own children when God speaks to us with his word. And sometimes we preach too hard that thou should not do this or thou should not do that. It's actually, listen, God has given us a way, a good way, a better way. Wait. But I want to tell you something today, very briefly, very quickly. That's a truth that just needs to be told over and over and over again. That's one that we are so accustomed with, we take it for granted, and it's this. Regardless of who you are tonight, or where you stand tonight, or where you're hiding tonight, the Bible tells that God loves you. And that's something that people need to know. He knows all about your sin, he knows all about your mistakes, he knows everything that's going on in your life, and he still loves you. And he loves you. And it's not a love that we understand as a father love, it's a, it's a heavenly father love that needs to be experienced. And he has created you to have a relationship with him to reflect his glory. And church, that's what we're called to do, reflect his glory. And what a, what a privilege it is that we are to know his perfect peace and to experience his warmth and his friendship. And that's what God wants in our lives. Isn't that something? A holy God that, that spoke creation into being, that cast Satan out of heaven, wants you to be his friend, his child. He wants to pour his grace in your life. He loves you and Satan knows this to be true. And Satan desires to destroy your life and your soul. Satan seeks dominion over every heart, over every government. And I would ask you tonight to search your heart. Who's on the throne of your life? Whose voice are you listening to? Who are you serving? What are you living for? Because the Bible tells us clearly, either God's on your throne or Satan is. It's as simple as that. Either for him or you're again. First John 5 says that we know that we are God's children, that the whole world lies under the power of the evil. Make no mistake about it. He's a king, the prince of this earth, is Revelation 12 and 9 says that he is the ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray. Understand in the end days, he says, even though the, the elect will be deceived, such will be the deception. We are dealing with something that we don't know what we're talking about. It's a higher being than us. And it says the whole world is going to be deceived for those who accept the blood of the Lamb upon their lips. And how does he do this? Well, the scripture says that he twists the truth of God's word. We're all good at doing that at times, but he, that's what he does. He, he twists the truth. And in Genesis 2 and 16, you see that, that God gave Adam some very clear instruction. He says that he told him that you may eat freely from every tree in the garden. Bar the one. Bar the one tree. Now I want you to know what, notice what Satan then says to, to Eve when he's speaking later on in the context. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees? A contradiction with a slow, subtle one. It's when from you can eat all bar one did God say you can touch none of these. But I want you to also notice that this is the deceiver at work. And he's bringing Eve down the road of disobedience. 
and he's leading her as a lamb to the slaughter. I want you to understand that's the way he'll take you. He put his arm around you, whisper in your ear, and show you good things. Christian as well, he leads you to places where you think that he's your friend, and next thing you know, you fall off a cliff. That's what he does. He's a master deceiver. And I want you to notice uh, Eve's innocence in all of this. She doesn't suspect any danger. We, we see this in the way in which she answers. Listen to what she says. Of course we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. For God said you must not eat of it or touch it, or else you will die. You can see that she's having a conversation as if she's speaking with her friend. There's, a, there's this innocence there. And that's the deceptor. He doesn't come with the red mask on and the pitchfork. He comes masquerading as, as one of light, as one who is of God. And we need to be careful of this spirit, our age. Then Satan goes from twisting the word of God to Eve to completely contradict and He says, you surely won't die. And he causes a doubt, the word of God. And be careful of that question. He causes a doubt. There's many people take things for granted from the word of God. They, they scoff at it. One of the greatest things we hear today is, if God's a God of love, how will he ever send anyone to hell? Utter nonsense. The word of God is the word of God. He say, it says what it means, and he means what it says. And, and if we start doubting the word of God over our inner conscience, there's a problem with us, not with the word of God. Satan will always cause us to doubt the word of God. I want you to notice something that I've noticed recently, that there's been more books than ever have been written on how hell is not real. They say, for instance, I, I skimmed through one recently, it says, hell refers to earth with her pain and sorrow. And I get that earth for many as a time of hell. There's no doubt about it. But it's not hell. They say that God causes the, the unrepentant man or woman, once they die, to sleep and never wake, that death is simply the end. That would be wishful thinking. But listen, the Bible clearly tells us something very different. It tells us that there's life after death. And I want to just say to me, there's a lion's spirit. And this spirit seeks to lead you and I astray. And especially if you're not saved tonight, there's a, there's a, there's a lion's spirit and it's whispering in your ear. The Bible tells us that it's been appointed on the man once to die and after this the judgment. I'm going to end with this. That's called the first death. But there's a second death and the Bible speaks much of it. Much of it. There's too many verses of different books of the Bible for me to, to bring it to pass to show you tonight. But I've chosen one that speaks of the second death. Not the first death, the second death is found in Revelation 20, verses 11 and 15. I'm going to read it to you. You know it well, many of you do, but the great white throne. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. And from his presence the earth and the sky fled away. There's no work, no place was found for them. It speaks of men and women. Flee in the presence of God in the judgment day. And I saw the dead, both great and small, as kings and peasants alike, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Notice the word books, it's plural. Then another book was opened, and this is the important one, which is called the Book of Life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And that's where we get the teaching of there's different levels of judgment for the, for the sinner. There's different, you're judged, well, the sinner, those who aren't repentant, are judged by what they've done in life. There's different levels in, in hell of punishment. And that's what we see, we get it from this. But, and it says, In the sea, give up the dead who are in it. And death and Hades, give up the dead who are in them. And they were judged, each one's according to what they had done. Now listen, then death and Hades, notice the word, then death and Hades, 
were thrown into the lake of the fire. This is known as the second death. It is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, he too was thrown into the lake of fire. Look, the reason I'm going to say this tonight is because there's a lion spirit. And we have got our own mindset and we hear different reasons for things tonight. But listen, I want to just tell you first tonight again that Satan is the father of lies. He's not just a wee liar, he's the father of them. And he's causing a great deception before our eyes today in our land and our world. He's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's, you don't call him anything else, give him no room in your life. He's a genius at deception, we can never outsmart him, only speak against him in and through the word of God. Remember this church. He tells this little innocent Eve that you won't die. And maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. And you don't know God. And, and there's this wee thing here in your, in, being whispered in your ear in the time. Listen, you're all right. You're ready to meet God. And God isn't really going to judge your sin. Now, there's no such thing as hell. Or you don't need this same stuff. Listen, I don't know what to be told or what to be been saved. But listen, I just want to tell you something. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As simple as that. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you repented of your sin? And that's what the Bible simply teaches. If I, I told you about we rumbling prayer some 17 years ago. That's the knowledge I had. God saved me. I don't understand, but I knew I had many, many me whispers in the air. The time is not right. Wait till your sister's wedding's over, you can get drunk there. Wait for another night out. Wait for this, wait for that. And I constantly was told, in this wee voice in my head, I want to just say to you, Make sure, make sure that you're not being lied to. Make sure that you know the truth. Make sure you know you're ready to meet God. Now, there's two different scriptures, and we're finished. I'm not going to look at it anymore. I'll start talking more. But it speaks about Adam and Eve, and they're hiding. And they notice each other's nakedness, and there's shame in their lives, and they start to sow victories. But if you go back to the, the previous chapter, in the very last verse, we see Adam and Eve before sin entered the world. And they stood before God, and they were naked, and they were not ashamed. And I want to tell you this, church. Friend, you're not saved. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what happens? You can sleep under the preaching of the gospel. That's not a good thing. But you can. Because you stand before God, and you have no shame. And for the first time in your life, you're not hiding from God. You're not skimming through the trees. You can stand there, and you can say, hey, I am a sinner, and hell should be my portion, but by the grace of God and the love of Christ, I am now saved. And you can stand before God, and you're not ashamed. And I want to just ask you tonight, in these closed moments, can you honestly say tonight, in the presence of God, that you are not hiding from him? Can you honestly say that, within your spirit, you're not hiding? So let's not just pray. I want to just pray over tonight, your life.